Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goals. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. Welcome, 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 Maximal Beans. It is I, Jackie P, your favorite layman. And of course, with me, I have Doc Mock, the co-hostess with the mostest. Today is a very interesting subject. I'm very excited. We have Paul Shapiro here. He is the author of a best-selling book, Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner and the World. Uh, he's been on TED. He's been TEDx speakers. He's a host of another podcast, Business for Good. Uh, I'm very excited because I have a lot of questions um, as a uh, a born and raised carnivore. I'd really want to pick your brain, Paul, and and really get to the bottom of this. But of course, with introductions, of course, everyone, I'm Jackie P. I'm your layman. I'm here to make sure that these authority experts keep the layman's terms frequent and often. All right. So I'll call the card if you're speaking above our heads. And of course, Doc Mock, how are you today? Hey, what's going on, Maximal Beings? And thanks, Jackie P, for the, the great introduction. Uh, I'm a GI doctor, advanced endoscopy doctor. That's a GI doctor that deals with cancer and functional medicine doctor practicing in Ohio. Um, and I am so excited to talk to uh, Mr. Shapiro here about a topic near and dear to my heart, and that is meat and the future of meat. So take it away, Mr. Shapiro. Paleo, keto, vegan, and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all, but did you have success? Are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeing.com courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health, but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the Zenwise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com iHerb, that's I-H, ERB and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528 and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. Well, Doc Mock, it's not only near and dear to your heart, but it sounds like it might be near and dear to your colon as well. So I'm really Absolutely. looking forward to 
to, to getting in here because we're going to get all different parts of your body here. But let me just start out by asking you this. What percentage, Doc Mock, of your patients who come to you, do you believe are deficient in protein? I, I would say, especially with our cancer population, it's close to 100%. Although the subset of my population, you know, that are, who are CrossFitters and, and um, high-performing athletes, mm -hmm. um, those people certainly are not looking for protein. <laughs> and in terms of the general population of a first world country like the United States, uh, do you think of protein deficiency as a problem? Yeah. I mean, we don't think of marasmus as a common problem here, but you know, again, in my clinical practice, I am constantly discussing that people need to up their protein game, not only for the sanctity yeah. of their gut, but also mm -hmm. just for global health. Okay. So let's talk about protein because everybody wants it, right? That's what everybody's looking for. So, you know, the planet is not getting any bigger. Now, of course, humanity's footprint on the planet keeps getting bigger. The planet itself is not getting any bigger. And one of the primary ways that we leave that footprint is through our food print, principally in the amount of meat that we eat. It just takes a lot of land, a lot of water, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions, and more to raise and slaughter billions and billions of animals for food. But people want to eat meat. I mean, meat demand is going up, not down. Even as we learn more and more about how raising animals for food is a big contributor to climate change and wildlife extinction and more, meat demand just continues to rise, not fall. So there's a whole movement out there now that is saying, hey, listen, we can keep eating meat, but we're not going to raise and slaughter animals for it. It's not dissimilar to how the renewable energy in, uh, movement is saying, hey, we can keep the lights on in our homes, but we're not going to have the light coming from fossil fuels. It's going to be coming from solar or wind or geothermal or some other type of renewable non-fossil source of energy. Well, that's what we're trying to do with meat is trying to create the meat experience without the need to raise and slaughter animals. And so we're, I hope we're gonna get all into that. I'm sure we are about how we can make meat without animals and talk about how it's gonna be not just better for the planet, but also better for human health too. Wonderful, Paul. That's, uh, that's, that's a great way to put it. I, you know, I never connected sustainable energy and sustainable meat, even though the words are there. But uh, I think, you know, there are a lot of folks might know who you are, you know, because, you know, you've been around the block, as they say, but, you know, I'd love to get a little bit of, you know, your, your origin story, right? What was it, you know, was there a, a, a moment, right? Did you have a sudden clarifying moment or was there just a, a slow progression of you pursuing this mission? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, Jackie, that there was one moment, but I would say there were a series of moments that occurred. And so, you know, when I was 13 years old, this is like back when the world was in black and white and it was snowing all the time <laughs> and we had to walk uphill both ways to get to school. Um, a friend of mine showed me a video of the way that we make meat. And, you know, today you got YouTube. Back then, this was like on a VHS. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, VHS is like a rectangular piece of plastic. You put it in a box. It shows you a video, right? Kind of like YouTube, except hundreds of times less convenient. And... I watched this video and I was pretty horrified. You know, I saw what happens to the chickens and the turkeys and the pigs who we raise for food. And I'm not going to burden everybody listening to this show about what happens, except to say that you probably don't want to know. You know, it's extremely bad. And I was really saddened by this. And I thought, geez, I, I don't want all this violence being committed against these animals. Um, you know, so what can I do? And so that led me down this path. 
of essentially starting to volunteer to try to help animals and get better conditions for animals. And I ended up going into a career eventually of lobbying to get better conditions for animals who were being raised for food. But eventually I came to realize that actually, I think that the best way to help these animals and all of the associated problems with raising animals for food wasn't trying to pass new laws, um, which I'm all for. I think it's great. Um, but I thought we can create new technology which renders the existing system archaic. So let me put it to you this way. You know, if this had been 150 years ago, we would all be lighting our homes with whale oil. That was the primary method of lighting our homes. And back then in the 19th century, there were lots of concerns about the sustainability of this practice because the, we were concerned we are going to render whales extinct. But what ended up liberating whales from harpoons was not humane sentiment. It was not sustainability concerns. It was the invention of kerosene. Kerosene rendered the exploitation of whales obsolete because it provided for a cheaper, cleaner way to light our homes. Similarly, the only way that we had to transport ourselves that didn't involve walking used to be by whipping horses. We committed violence against horses so that they would transport us around. And horses weren't freed from the lash because of any concern about horses. They were freed by people like Henry Ford, who invented a new way to transport us that was better than the old way. Well, similarly, I think that what we do to chickens and turkeys and pigs is extremely saddening, and most people don't even want to know about it. But I don't think that it's going to be humane sentiment or sustainability concerns that are going to stop factory farming of animals. I believe that we can create new technologies that will do for these animals what cars did for horses and what kerosene did for whales. Except in this case, it's not just that we are helping animals. In this case, we're actually saving the planet and therefore humanity in the process because we cannot continue raising and slaughtering billions of animals for food without destroying the planet and ourselves in the process. So the effort has been a lifelong one for me to figure out how we can divorce protein consumption from raising and slaughtering animals. And it all goes back to this moment when I was a young teenager watching a video of animals in slaughterhouses. And I hope that my life can be a testament to do something for these creatures and something that will do really good for humanity as well. So what you're talking about is cultured meats, right? That's kind of like the center of the future of, you know, our protein sourcing as human beings. So Doc Mock, there's really three ways that you can do it. Cultured meat is one of them. You're right. And uh, my book, Queen Meat, primarily talks about that. But just in the same way, there's lots of ways to create energy that are not fossil fuel, right? You've got wind, you've got solar, you've got geothermal, and more. Well, there's many ways to make a meat experience without animals. One of them is what you're referring to as cultured meat. And that means taking cells from an animal, microscopic cells, and growing them in a cultivator so that the cells believe that they are in the animal's body still, and they do what they would do in the animal's body, which is to create real animal meat. So that's not science fiction. That's science fact. There are companies doing that, obviating that kind of meat dozens of times now. It's real animal meat. It's not a substitute. It's not an alternative. It's real animal meat simply grown from cells rather than from slaughter. So that's option one. Another option is to go instead of to the animal kingdom, you go to the plant kingdom and you take foods like peas and wheat and turn them into things that really look like animal meat. That's what companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods are doing by using plant-based proteins to manufacture burgers that look like an animal burger, but instead are made out of plants. 
Then if you don't want to go to the animal kingdom and you don't want to go to the plant kingdom, you can also do what my own company, The Better Meat Coat, does, which is use microbial fermentation. So instead of plants or animals, you're using microbes. And what we at The Better Meat Coat do is essentially take microscopic fungi and we subject them to a special kind of fermentation. And in that fermentation, we feed them potatoes. So just in the same way that a cow eats grass and converts that into a steak, our little microbes eat potatoes and they convert it into things that really look like steak, except unlike animal meat, they have no saturated fat, no cholesterol, lots of fiber, high in iron, high in protein, and naturally contains vitamin B12, which plant foods typically don't contain. So this is a real superfood and we create it not by using animal cells, not by using plant proteins, but rather by using microbial fermentation. And so those are really the three methods that you have, at least as of today, to create a meat experience without the animal. Interesting. So microbial, okay, so you take microbes and then you, you, you ferment them, right? So I'm, I'm going to play along with uh, the layman, right? I'm going to be the devil's advocate for a little bit. Okay, Paul, because I'm, I'm just more curious, right? Yeah. So for the, you, you said it, right? The, the, the consumption and of meat is not going to go down, right? The, the, as the world has become industrialized, more and more people globally are consuming meat, right? Yep. So, right. you know, let's talk about the typical arguments, right, that folks have when it comes to any of these three different ways, uh, you know, for, you know, uh, as, as substitutes, right? So the first, right, is going to be what everyone's going to talk about, right, is, right, flavor, texture, right? Um, you know, everyone's like, hey, you know, you, you can't replace a filet, right? I personally, I've only tried the Beyond Burger. It was delicious. I have no problem with plant-based substitutes, you know, but then again, if I want, you know, a burger, I go get a burger. So what in this process that you, what do you do in this process um, that either adds flavor or adds texture, or is it something that's just a, a natural um, outcome of, of your process? Yeah, great questions, Jackie. So if that's what devil's advocate is to you, that's a soft devil. <laughs> feel, feel free to get harder if you want, but I'll tell you this. So there's a few ways to do it. So what we at The Better Meat Code do is through the process of fermentation, we create that texture. And so we are basically taking microbes that upon exit from the fermenter, once we remove water, naturally has the texture of animal meat. We don't have to really texturize it, so to speak. Now, if you're using plants, you do have to do some texturization. And in that case, you take, for example, a pea protein powder and you subject it to something that's called extrusion. That's basically a fancy way of saying a lot of heat and a lot of pressure. And so what happens is uh, plant proteins typically have a molecular structure that's globular. So it's like a globe, right? And animal proteins are typically stringy. So what you do through extrusion is you apply a lot of heat and a lot of pressure to like a pea protein powder. And it changes that structure to become stringy. So you go from being more plant-like to more animal-like in the nature of the protein. Now there are huge health benefits to this, right? So you get that type of protein texture that you want, but it's less saturated fat, it's zero cholesterol, um, you know, and, and you still have, uh, you know, fiber and some plant nutrition in there. So, you know, as Doc Mock knows, being an intestinal doctor, you know, more than nine out of 10 Americans are deficient in fiber. 
it's an unbelievable deficiency and nobody talks about it. You know, everybody's worried about getting protein, but everybody's deficient in fiber. I mean, it's like, it's really an incredible thing. Uh, and you know, the, the detriment of fiber deficiency is not just a constipation though that's bad enough, but it's everything from colon cancer to other ailments that are associated with fiber deficiency. So uh, it's important, you know, to rem remember that animals don't have any fiber. No, no meat has fiber at all because you know animals have skeletons that holds us up. Plants don't have skeletons, so they have fiber. That's what holds them up. That's why plants have fiber. So animals have no fiber, whereas plants have all the fiber. So there's lots of benefits to doing this. Even if you're changing the protein, like what you do with extrusion with pea protein, you're still getting lots of health benefits. So that's how you texturize plants is through extrusion. And with uh, microbial fermentation, you don't have to extrude because you are getting a natural meat-like texture simply upon exit from the fermenter in the first place. I've, I've also read that with microbial fermentation, not only can you avoid the saturated fat as the primary fat within the new meat-based product or the new protein-based product, but you can also add in things like omega-3 fatty acids as the primary fat basis behind that product, which we've talked about countless times on this show and all those benefits. So is that something that you look at in your processes? Yeah, wouldn't that be cool if you had a burger that instead of causing heart attacks actually prevented them? That would be pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, we can, we can modify that in the same way that, for example, if you feed a chicken flax seeds, those eggs are going to have more omega-3 fatty acids in them. Um, we can control the parameters of our fermentation to create products that have different nutritional profiles as well. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black op shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBean.com Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. Now you hit on a little bit about the impact in the gut. And so, you know, one of the most important um, points of contention with me as a GI doctor, and this is where the colon cancer uh, comes in to, into run, is, the, is the, the generation of something called free radicals. So free radicals are these little compounds that are created with different substances. The main which in meat is heme. And heme will damage our DNA directly through these free radicals. And so that's one of the arguments in certain documentaries where they say that meat is a bad source of protein. So, you know, do your products or do products like yours still contain that hematin that has the potential for free radical and DNA damage? Uh, not in the Better Mikos products. We don't use heme um, now, and neither do companies like Beyond Meat. Impossible Foods does make its own soy legume, uh, lehemoglobin. So um, it's not clear that that has the same impact as animal-based heme, uh, since it's a plant-based heme. Um, but as far as the products that we make at the Better Miko, no, we're not, we're not using heme at all. 
And then another point of contention is also a compound called carnitine. Carnitine, right? Carnivore comes from meat alone. But carnitine has countless benefits for your mitochondrial health. Mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, gives you energy, fuels a lot of our cellular processes like our brain and our muscles. But when you put those compounds into a gut environment, they generate these compounds called TMA and TMAO. And these things are directly correlated with heart disease, as we discussed with Dr. Ankur Kalra in our uh podcasts are two-parter on cardiovascular disease. You mentioned cholesterol as a bad guy, but you know, cholesterol in and of itself is just kind of a bystander. It's the other signaling compounds and inflammation and things like TMAO that take cholesterol from a good thing that makes up your hormones and your cells to a bad guy that clogs up your arteries. Do you have any uh, comments on carnitine? I don't have any comments on carnitine based largely on my ignorance about it, to be honest with you. However, I will just make a quick comment on TMAO, which is clearly, as you correctly pointed out, Doc Mock, is a problem, right? Uh, and eating a diet high in processed meats is, is leading to higher TMA, TMAO levels. And uh, this is why the World Health Organization has characterized processed meat as a class one carcinogen. Um, and so, you know, in that same category as things like cigarettes as the class one carcinogen. So we know that, you know, we're really not doing ourselves any favors when we're eating things like processed meat, to be honest with you. Um, at the same time, we know that diets that are high in plant foods and whole fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, et cetera, help to not just lower our cholesterol, but reduce our risk of the number one killer out there, which is heart disease. You know, people are worried about uh, many things that are far less likely to kill us than heart diseases, but everybody knows somebody who has had a heart attack or stroke or had some other problem. It's the number one killer of both men and women in America. And that is a real concern because heart disease is not inevitable. You know, some people think, oh, you just get older and you just have heart disease. Like, no, 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 it's not. This is a lifestyle related disease. Rates of heart disease have gone up in our culture, not because our genetics have changed, it's because our lifestyle has changed. Um, you know, if you look at uh, many cultures that follow really plant-rich diets, they have very low rates of heart disease and obesity. Um, and so, so, for example, there's a great book called The Blue Zone, which looks at the areas of the world where people often live to be centurions, to live to be at least 100 years old. And one of the, and so this guy, Dan Butner, goes around to the blue zones of the world and looks at what they have in common. And one of the key things they have in common is very low rates of meat, of meat consumption. They're not vegetarians or vegans, but uh, some of them are, like in Loma Linda, California, a lot of them are Seventh-day Adventists who are actually vegetarian. But most of the time, they're not strict vegetarians, so they eat very little meat, very little. And uh, one of the theories is that such low meat diets end up producing a lot more, a lot less TMAO in your body, and that is one of the reasons uh, why meat reduction seems to have such a beneficial effect on heart health and, and intestinal health as well. Yeah, I, I sorry, Jack Pete. I, I also think that in regards to longevity, like you talked about, and I love that Blue Zone book, by the way. So thank you for bringing that up. Cool. Um, the role of protein and high amounts of protein changes mTOR signaling, right? Membrane target of rapamycin. That's one of these things that essentially is integral in telling your cell whether to live on forever or to die, and and it's mm. so central to how long we live in life, and and the more protein you eat, 
you know, the, the more your mTOR pathway is signaled, the more things that you're going to generate versus recycle things. So fasting acts in the opposite direction and down regulates the mTOR pathway, which allows you to cell recycle, which allows your cells to live for a longer time period. Mm. So it's a, it's a tough um, give and take. So are you, I, I just, let me, let me turn the tables here, Doc Mock. Are you referring to intermittent fasting or are you talking about like fasting for days on end? What's your, what, are, what is your uh, prescription here for patients? Yeah, I, I take, t- t- uh, there's time-restricted eating and then there's fasting for days on end. And I take intermittent fasting as kind of like the umbrella term for both of those concepts. But with both of those concepts, time-restricted eating and true fasting or intermittent fasting, um, in the intermittent fasting umbrella, Yes, you're having action on autophagy and cell signaling for mTOR. Mm. So yeah, I try, I, I, my wife gives me a hard time about this, but I try to go 12 hours a day without eating, which is actually a very short amount of time. You know, the real intermittent fasters are going like, you know, 16 or 18 hours a day without eating, but I try just to do 12 hours. So I'll be like, okay, look, I'm not going to eat after 7 PM. And then I won't until 7 a.m., which should be pretty easy to do. But I found it's not as easy as one would think. Uh, not, not, because, not because I'm hungry, but just socially speaking, you know, it's like a hard thing to, you know, stop eating that early. But anyway, I'm glad to get it. I'm going to tell my wife next time. I'm going to say, hey, Doc Mock told me. Yeah, it, even at 12 hours, you are seeing some benefits. Eight to 12 hours is exactly the point when your body is converting over that machinery. And it's not an on-off switch. It's kind of a dimmer switch with the mTOR pathway. But back okay. to you, Jackie P. Yes. Intermittent fast. Everyone always. Um, <laughs> what do so, you do, Jackie? What do you do? You do I, I am. Yeah, hours? I'm. Yes. Yeah, so I stop eating at eight and then I don't eat until 12 p.m. You, you look like a fit dude. So what are you working out a lot? Is this all from fasting? Uh, well, you know, uh, you know, I do a little of this, a little of that. I I actually do a uh, a lot of meat. Um, where like, I'm actually the first time I'm standing today, I stand up, I have a standing desk. Um, and I've actually have rotated to calisthenics. Okay. Cause uh, I, I know you're, I know you're not getting your arms like that by standing at your desk. So. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 uh, you know, pushups and, uh, you know, stuff like okay. that. <laughs> He's a beast. Yeah. A, a, a little HGH doesn't hurt. I think. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen, you, you can't see. Doc Mock's calf muscles, but wow. if you saw them, you're like, okay, this guy is in some form of professional comp- competitions. <laughs> okay, if have, right. Yeah, if they could have bodybuilding competitions that are just calf muscles, I would win. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. that doesn't exist, unfortunately. Yeah. And if, is this all genetic, or is this so you just like doing calf raises all day long? No, it's uh, thanks, Dad. You know, if you're listening yeah. out there, thanks, Dad. It's all. <laughs> What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.